Welcome to the Back in Business. Look ahead to the elections in Scotland. We asked all the parties standing in the elections on the 6th of May to put a candidate up to talk to us about the plans for small businesses. We asked each of the candidates the same questions and we gave them the same length of time so as to be as fair as possible. Now, sadly, we couldn't make a time that suited everyone to come together in the same space. So we had to do separate 10 minute interviews. We had candidates from the SNP, the Liberal Democrats, Labour and Conservative parties in Scotland to talk to us. We had no response from the Green Party or ALBA. The first candidate I talked to was the SNP's Jimmy Hepburn, Minister for Business, Fair Work and Skills, MSP for Central Scotland between 2007 and 2011, uh, who has been MSP for Cumbernauld and Kilsyth since 2011. He was also appointed Minister for Employability and Training in May 2016. Um, Jamie, thank you very much indeed for joining us. But I think we are concentrating on small businesses and micro businesses uh, in our hustings uh, in Scotland. And Scotland has a fairly high percentage of employment in public services, probably higher than the rest of the UK. So to what extent do you think small businesses are vital to the economic recovery in Scotland? Well, they're essential. Um, I think sometimes the proportion of employment that is claimed in the public sector in Scotland is uh, overstated. It's obviously a very important source of employment and contributes very positively to our GDP, but by comparison to other parts of the UK, it's not particularly much higher than the rest. Actually, a much more substantial proportion of Scotland's economic base are the very types of businesses that you refer to are small and medium-sized enterprises. So in terms of how we recover, they're going to be absolutely essential. And indeed, I think there's a real opportunity as we rethink the nature of our economy coming out of COVID-19, that we expand and grow that business base as well. There's a lot of budding entrepreneurs out there that could come along and commercialise their idea and establish the next raft of small businesses for Scotland. So that's something we want to encourage, that's something we want to foster. We've laid out a number of propositions in our manifesto uh, around that, the business growth accelerator is critical in that regard in terms of uh, providing support for those uh, coming into uh, new premises or empty premises or small business bonus is essential in sustaining our uh, business or small uh, business uh, community. That's something we're committed to uh, continuing uh, as well. So we've got a raft of initiatives, we've got a track record and we want to continue to, to support our small business community in Scotland. Are there any particular sectors that are vitally important? I think as we look to the, the future, we know that we are going to have to embrace the responding to the challenge around climate change. We've set ourselves some exacting targets around becoming a net zero economy by 2045. Uh, that seemed an awful long time away, but in terms of that fundamental challenge, it's pretty much just round the corner. So 
as we move forward, we need to make sure that the yes, we need to support all of Scotland's businesses, but we need to be having a particular eye on those that can contribute greatest to uh, assisting us uh, in that uh, challenge. So that's why things like our Green Jobs Fund uh, are important, for uh, example. So those businesses that can make a contribution there are, uh, of course, uh, important. But fundamentally, uh, we want to try and sustain uh, our business base and grow our business base. So uh, we uh, will be looking to work with all sectors in that regard. I mentioned that you were the Minister for Employability and Training until the middle of 2018. Is the Scottish workforce as employable and well-trained as it needs to be to drive the recovery that you're talking about, you know, to work towards net zero, to work in those green jobs that you mentioned? We do have a very highly skilled uh, workforce in terms of core qualifications in terms of credit qualification. We've uh, got in that sense uh, the most qualified population in the entirety of Europe. But what I would uh, recognise is that the idea that a person can have a, a one-off skills intervention maybe when they're 18, 19, 20, 21, and that's them set for uh, life is not really the way we need to move forward. The nature of our economy is, is changing in a whole host of ways driven by various uh, factors, demographic uh, change, the fact that uh, we see changed patterns of uh, consumption that uh, prevails in the retail sector. For uh, example, the fact that we can't draw the same source of uh, workforce supply from the rest of the European, well, not the rest of the European Union, the European Union uh, as, as our relationship uh, now. And above all, the pace of technological change, that's drastically changing our economy, not to say our need to respond to the climate change, for example. So what we need to do is make sure that we have a population that's agile, that's flexible, that's geared up to respond to those circumstances. So what we need to do is take the core competences they have, those core skills, those core qualifications that we have, which is a really good foundation to build from, to make sure that we're supporting people at all stages in life to have new skills interventions to make sure that they aren't left behind. That for me is really important, incidentally. We have seen uh, too often in uh, the past people left behind by various forms of economic disruption. You look back to, I was particularly affected by it because I was only a child at the time, but if you look at that period of the early to the mid 1980s, huge changes to our economy, forced through uh, rapidly, probably coerced uh, through. But the government of the day didn't take people with them. They didn't have a plan to support people to transition into uh, new sectors. That's a failure of people. And it's also a failure of the business community. So I'm determined we do much better in, in that regard. And we have a lot of thinking set out uh, already through our Future Skills Action Plan, which was published way before COVID-19, but also as we respond to the realities of COVID-19, our young persons guarantee for 16 to 24 year olds to make sure that all of those young people get into education, get into training, get into employment with that in mind, with it being very much geared towards where the labour market is, but also for those who are already in employment, 
Let's make sure they are supported too. Let's make sure that they are getting the children's pensions that they need. That's something I'm committed to, and that's something the SNP government is absolutely committed to. And of course, the news headlines are all around the number of young people who are now six months unemployed, having graduated last year, and they'll be joining the graduates of this year. So that has got to be a big concern. But can I ask you, businesses need certainty before they start re-employing, before they start filling up their vacancies. They want to be confident before they invest and grow, and they create jobs along the way. Another referendum pending doesn't make for certainty. It makes for the opportunity to move in a vastly different direction from that of the UK Conservative government, a government that we have not elected and have not supported here in Scotland. That's an opportunity fundamentally for each and every citizen here in Scotland. But I also think for Scotland's business community as well. If you look at the range of measures and initiatives that I've laid out as important to me as the Minister for Business and to the SNP in government, I believe we could do much more as an independent country. If you look, for example, at the scale of economic stimulus that we see coming out of COVID-19 being taken for the UK government, frankly, that is not substantial enough to meet the circumstances required to support economic recovery to take people with us. We could do much more if we were independent. So, in that sense, I would urge everyone to view it as an opportunity, not a period of uncertainty. Um, in summing up, what are your three main aims for small and micro businesses over the next five years? My three main aims for small and micro businesses is for those that we have right now to be able to sustain themselves and to grow if that is their ambition we must work with them to make sure they have that opportunity to move from being a, a micro business to being a small business to being a medium-sized enterprise and who knows some of them becoming really large-scale employers my second priority is to make sure that we have a raft of new businesses new enterprises coming through as well we know that there's a real opportunity to do that. There are a number of budding entrepreneurs out there and we need to make sure that they can realise the potential of their ideas and get businesses started up. And my third, and this might be the overriding priority because it speaks not just to the necessity of supporting businesses, but also supporting people. It goes back to that fundamental challenge of making sure that people are equipped with the requisite skill set so that they can not only get into the labour market, but stay in the labour market. And if the worst comes to worst, if people do, for whatever reason, fall out of the labour market, they are adaptable, they are skilled, they are resilient, and they can get back into work as quickly as possible. I think that's of fundamental importance to Scotland's business community, also to Scotland's citizens. So in a nutshell, those, those are my three priorities. Jamie Hepburn, Minister for Business, Fair Work and Skills. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. My pleasure. Now, I'm joined by Daniel Johnson, who is a Scottish Labour Party politician and a member of the Scottish Parliament 
for the Edinburgh South constituency since 2016. He's the finance spokesperson for the Labour Party in Scotland and deputy convener of the Education and Skills Committee, and also a small business person. Daniel Johnson, uh, Scotland, it would seem, has a quite a high proportion of employment in public services possibly higher than the rest of the UK. So to what extent do you think small businesses, such as the ones in your constituency or the ones you've run, are vital to economic recovery in Scotland? Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're absolutely critical. I mean, if you know, A, they are a source of, of employment. Um, uh, you know, with a you know, huge number of people employed by, by uh, small business. Secondly, you know, they are businesses who typically will not necessarily have had as much in the way of uh, you know, capital put to one, one side and therefore maybe more adversely hit by a downturn in revenue. But more, most importantly, you know, if we're going to recover, then we're going to need to be doing new things, innovating, and, and that is going to come you know, from, from small business. So, so both in terms of protecting people's jobs, restoring economic activity pre-COVID, but also I think recovering and doing new things. Small business at the heart of all, all three strands. And definitely that's what we say. Um, but are there any particular sectors in Scotland that you think will have a struggle when it comes to driving that recovery? Yeah, so I come from a retail background and I have been regularly thinking to myself through the pandemic, uh, in a sense that, thank goodness I'm, I'm not in retail right now, because any consumer facing uh, business, it's not just retail hospitality as well. Lockdown has just been, a, 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 it's not just a perfect storm, it's sort of an, an unimaginable set of circumstances. Uh, essentially revenue has completely dried up. You know, some businesses have managed to innovate but, but, but most will not have been able to uh, replace their, their, their previous uh, income. And what's more retail in particular, and if you look at some of the, the, you know, the, the spending patterns, online uh, retail accounted for about 25% of retail sales before the pandemic is now about 40%. Uh, you know, so not only have they come through this, facing an imaginable set of circumstances, I mean, I, I, I think you, you have to conclude it, it, it that, that those spending habits may not go back. So you've come all through this and, and what's more, you, you're facing a completely new context. So consumer facing businesses as a whole, but I think retail and hospitality businesses in particular, I, I mean, I, I, I have very significant concerns. And I look at my own, you know, I, live, I live in Morningside in my constituency, the toilet boards are already going up. You know, it's not just what is going to happen, it's what is happening right now. And we are seeing small high street businesses closing and that is an, an urgent uh, uh, situation that needs addressing. Presumably um, as the summer unfolds we'll see what the full extent uh, of the damage is but as deputy convener of the Education and Skills Committee do you think that the Scottish workforce is as employable and well trained as it needs to be to drive the recovery? Well, I, I was the, the deputy convener, that, but that's dancing on the on the head of a, 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 a pin. Um, but the, you know, for many years prior to the pandemic, people were saying that what is, is critical is to have a, a, a you know a skill system 
that, that enabled people to reskill. I mean, you know, people were very clear about the 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 the, the level of, of disruption. So, the, the the answer to your question, I think, isn't so much as whether or not the skills are there, but are, do people have the ability to acquire new skills to to reflect the the, you know, the changing economic context? And, and I'm I'm not convinced that the skill system is set up in that way. I mean, apprenticeships and and skills, you know implicitly at the very least and sometimes explicitly is about young people and actually we're going to have to I think spread our net much further and there have been some steps towards that in recent years but I think we need to look much more widely so we, we need uh, pledges to ensure uh, that people can reskill if they're out of work regardless of their age and, and certainly we've, we've got pledges around that um, uh, but uh, you know I think we need to look really closely about where where are people losing work? Where are there opportunities for new work? And, and how can we you know join you know those two groups of of both kind of you know potential skills and and, and requirement for skills and, and and do so efficiently and quickly? Businesses constantly tell us that what they really need is certainty, and of course, with certainty comes the confidence to invest to invest into training to reskilling whatever it might be and into innovation and new ideas which creates the jobs as you've said um do you think therefore that the uh, possibility of another referendum is uh likely to damage or generate confidence at this point in time definitely um We've already seen it. Scotland's growth rate prior to 2014 had tended to be a little bit above the UK average. Ever since then, it has been below it. Businesses don't like uncertainty. They can't plan around uh, unpredictability. And I think the prospects of a second independence referendum in combination with the uncertainties that, that we have been living through and are going to be continuing to live with for some time to come um, because of COVID, I, I think are, are quite intolerable. And, and we, will, we will see uh, businesses making decisions accordingly. The, the larger businesses will invest where they feel they have more certainty, not less. So I, I think it's, it's I, I mean, I really think it's very unhelpful to be you know, suggesting independence as, as a as a route forward, because I think it actually increases uncertainty, increases costs, and actually what we need to be focusing on is is, is uh, recovery, and that has to be a very concerted effort over what will be, I think, quite a long period of time. Not, it's not going to be over quickly. So, what then would your three main aims be for and in support of small businesses in order to? play that role in recovery that you've outlined over the next five years? Well, look, first and foremost, we need to provide a degree of that certainty. We need, we need some clarity about what, what will the end of vaccination programme uh, deliver? Because there will need to be some infection control and social distancing. Uh, and we need that clarity quite urgently. We've been living month to month and businesses at the very least need to be able to start planning quarter to quarter, uh, if not year to year. Um, so that's not to say that, that we kind of provide absolute guarantees. Coupled with that, what we are saying, we need to get the test and trace regime up and running and robust. Other countries have had relatively little disruption economically because they've had those systems in place, if you look east. So let's provide that certainty. 
Secondly, you know, let's deal with the realities that, 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 that businesses are, are facing with. So we need a stimulus. So we are proposing a, a, a high street voucher scheme, um, which would put money directly in the hands of consumers to spend on their local high streets to try and kickstart that activity again. Uh, and, and then finally, we need an absolute focus on jobs. So we would uh, accelerate uh, and extend the kickstart scheme, which is basically subsidizing the, the creation of, of new jobs. It's a good idea, but it's been woefully underused by the UK government. Uh, likewise, you know, our pledges around uh, uh, training and retraining uh, with a, a, a jobs guarantee, but also a, 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 a training uh, guarantee. I think doing what I was saying previously, ensuring that we match people up um, uh, with, with, with work and the skills that are required uh, uh, elsewhere. So and I think those are the three elements, you know, a degree of forward uh, sight and uncertainty, uh, I, I think stimulus and support for businesses restarting, and, and then thirdly, you know, reskilling those who find themselves out of work. Daniel, thank you very, very much indeed for joining us. No problem at all, thank you. Now, my next guest is Katie Gordon. She's the party's number one list candidate in West Scotland, as well as running for the constituency seat in Clydebank and Mulgai. And she is also the Lib Dem spokesperson for the economy, fair work and culture and has been in the career service for 25 years. So a very interesting background there, uh, Katie, when it comes to working with small businesses. Now, Scotland has a high percentage of employment in public services, possibly higher than the rest of the UK. But to what extent do you think that small businesses are vital to the economic recovery in Scotland? To be honest, I think they're absolutely crucial when you think how many small businesses we've got. And I think it's been uh, difficult for small businesses, particularly in the past year, um, because they've been cut out of a lot of the funding schemes and not being eligible. Um, and I indeed, uh, in my day job, work a lot with companies um, or people who are starting small businesses. And I have very much first-hand experience of the difficulties and challenges it takes to even make money in the first place. I mean, my gut feeling is it takes about a year to even make any money when you're setting up a business, but <laughs> your experience may be different. So, so I think, and part of our um, manifesto, a big part of it that I had a big hand in was in emphasizing that we want to be able to support small businesses and entrepreneurs, people who want to start up, look at community-led enterprises. So, so make the playing field a lot more level so that it isn't always automatically the Amazons of this world or the, or the larger companies. Nothing wrong with large companies, but, but actually to create the level playing field by having um, you know, a focus on micro bidders and supporting them because it's often too complicated. I've worked in the public sector a lot. I know how complicated it is to bid. Um, to look at local suppliers, we're much more aware of food miles and, and sort of the, the the challenges with Brexit are possibly going to make it even harder people exporting. So we may need to focus much more on how people make money and, and um, make their businesses work internally within, within the country. Uh, fair employment practices, taking account of state aid of non-Scottish bidders. There are a lot of things that we can do as the, the government in government and in public agencies to ensure that we support small businesses. And the other thing I would say is, and having worked for an enterprise agency as well, Scottish Enterprise, um, I'm very aware of why we focus on those with high growth potential, of course, 
But in fact, from some of the meetings I've had with um, uh, the business federations and uh, professional bod and bodies, is that actually small businesses who are plodding along quite happily, employing people, contributing to the economy, but not got this massive growth potential, also need support and are looking for advice, for example, to transition to the um, uh, more renewable practices, more streamlined, how to make the most of going online. And so we want to shift our enterprise support through the enterprise agencies and that whole network um, to emphasize that we should be supporting the whole range of businesses. Of course, there'll be capacity issues, but as, as far as we can, that's what we want to do. And of course, that support around procurement would be extremely helpful too, because as you say, it's very complicated. But are there any particular sectors you have in mind that need are likely to need more support? I mean, we've seen the hospitality, events sector, etc. Yeah, Leisure sector, badly hit. Yeah, I mean, I think particularly in Scotland, I think the tourism sector and I think the creative sector and creative sector across the whole UK, but I think the tourism sector in Scotland in particular, there's a lot of, you know, small businesses, Airbnbs, you know, all of those kind of uh, areas where it's whole sectors that need support, but there are so many individual businesses that have really struggled to get by. I mean, thank goodness for the UK backed furlough scheme, you know, which obviously wouldn't have had to do with independence. But I think that what we need to do for something like the tourism sector, um, we need to be able to provide infrastructure that helps bring people back by doing things like, um, you know, better signage, better car parking, whole range of public toilets, we've discovered how important they are in, in COVID times. So by, by providing that kind of infrastructure that can help a sector in the creative uh, arts sector, um, where again, many were excluded from the government funding, we want to do, we've got a kind of an idea for a, a show must go on fund, a way of supporting by, um, government-backed insurance to help people put on um, performances, which I know I've, I've heard people, you know, crying out for that in the sector. And again, where I work, the university I work for has a big focus on, on creative arts. Um, and we also want to look at how can we support the creative sector to spread more around the country. So there's quite a lot of focus on the central belt in the creative sector in Scotland. Can we support building the economy outwards by supporting more mobile, you know, so there's sectoral things we want to do, as well as one of the things I feel is a real flagship for us is, um, is uh, we wanted to create, we want to create 2000 graduate internships for SMEs. And that's about supporting not only graduates who are coming out of university worried about having um, relevant employment experience, but also I've helped graduates get into small businesses and I know the transformative power they can have on small business thinking, um, that creativity and that energy. So I think that can be a sort of a win-win and we're gonna do that even more so in the creative sector. That presumably comes from your involvement with the career sector over 25 mm. years, I think I'm right in saying. Mm. Um, and so given that involvement, do you think that Scotland and young people in particular um, will have the skills um, and will the workforce be as employable and well-trained as it needs to be to drive the recovery or to play its part in the recovery? Love your question. And very much, it's uh, one of the things I'm really proud of that we put into the manifesto is in fact our £5,000 retraining fund. It's a, it's a sort of a skilled fund focused on those who face 
who have faced redundancy, but also on those who would struggle to be able to transition to a different career or need support while they are going into training. Because obviously the SNPs cut a lot, an awful lot of those part-time courses, what, 140,000 over the last X years, um, which were the kind of way into changing your career or, or going into a, a different area. But the whole point about that retraining fund, and we've learned very much from Wales, where Careers Wales runs this, and I've watched that over the years, is it should be linked to careers advice. So it's not about saying, I think as the Tories have said, they, they want to offer 500 pounds, but which is neither here nor there, but it's not linked to anything. So you could end up doing a sort of a, a course that's nothing to do with your career. Whereas we want to link it very much to helping people think about their future careers. But the other thing we want to do, and I've worked in the past with PACE, which is the Partnership Action for Continuing Employment that supports people facing redundancy, is to create a similar kind of scheme when like community assets are threatened. And that's an opportunity for people who maybe haven't been involved in running a business before, but might get involved to save their community asset. But you need a kind of a public sector sort of response to do that. So there is an awful lot we need to do to support people get the skills to transition to the new green jobs. And, and I'm thinking about the Just Transition Fund as well. Um, so, so yes, we, we can do more to support the employability of, of the whole nation, not just young people. Well, an element of that is confidence. If businesses don't have confidence, they don't spend, they don't invest in training and all the various uh, projects you've talked about. Um, and obviously this isn't just about government, it's about getting business to invest. Um, in, in order to do that, they need to be confident. Do you think that uh, there will be the certainty that generates the confidence, given that we're likely or that we have the thinking, the possibility of uh, another independence referendum. Sadly, I think the most damaging thing for business and the lack of certainty has been the twin factors of the constitutional focus of the last few years. So both Brexit, which is the problems are rolling out now and becoming clean and the fishing industry is being hit hard, but anyone exporting, anyone taking anything to Northern Ireland is, is hitting problems. And I think having another independence referendum will just add uncertainty onto uncertainty. And that is a classic case. We know that business investment slowed down in the run up to the EU referendum vote. We know it slowed down in the run up to actual Brexit. Why on earth would it not slow down in the run up to any independence referendum? So, so what we need to do is give confidence by saying, put the constitution aside, put recovery first, but then total focus on infrastructure spending all mass to stimulate private sector investment in parallel. Okay, um, very quickly uh, before we go, um, three things that you want to see for small businesses in the next five years. Okay, I want to see fairer um, procurement practice. I want to see an emphasis on local suppliers and I want to see free advice uh, through the enterprise agency mainly to support local businesses and small businesses to uh, not just innovate and grow, but also to transition to renewables and more sustainable ways of operating. That's very clear. Thank you very much indeed for that, uh, Katie Gordon. And we may see you in a few years time and find out how much of that has come to pass. But thank you very much in the meantime for joining us. A pleasure. Thanks for that. Thank you.
Now uh, I'm going to have a chat with Murdo Fraser, who is a Scottish politician who has served as deputy leader of the Scottish Conservative Party from 2005 to 2011. He has been a member of the Scottish Parliament for the Mid-Scotland and Fife region since 2001 and currently serves as the Shadow Cabinet Secretary for Finance. Murdo Fraser, thank you very much for joining us. Now, Scotland has a higher percentage of employment in public services than probably most of the rest of the UK. So to what extent do you think then that small businesses are vital to economic recovery in Scotland? I think small businesses are the lifeblood of the economy, particularly in many of the smaller communities we have around Scotland and in more rural communities, uh, for example. But also, you know, many many of our, our cities were not for small businesses. Uh, we would not see the levels of employment um, that we currently manage to uh, sustain. And I think it's fair to say that over the last year, small businesses have had a, a difficult time, a mixed time, particularly those in sectors like uh, retail and hospitality uh, has been particularly difficult for them. We are now seeing things to start to reopen, but I think it's really important that government recognises the vital role that small business plays and also recognises that we can't just stop all the support that there has been over the past year, the very welcome support that there has been for small business, uh, even as things start to reopen, because it will be a long time before business is able to be functioning uh, on all cylinders. And many small business in particular um, have built up very large levels of debt, uh, which will have to be repaid. Uh, and I think that means if we're going to avoid uh, rising unemployment and avoid uh, a slew of business failures, there does need to be ongoing support from government to make sure the economy continues to prosper. Um, and into that debt, I suppose we need to factor things like rent payments, etc., for the hospitality businesses that you mentioned there. So it's it's pretty tough coming up particularly for those leisure sectors. It's particularly tough. And, and even though we are seeing this week uh, restrictions being lifted, uh, non-essential retail opening, hospitality opening, I know from conversations I've had with those in the hospitality trade that the limited reopening that they've they, that they are allowed with restrictions on capacity indoors, only able to sell uh, alcohol outdoors, for example, means that many... Uh, can, can only reopen in a partial way and some not at all because there are many um, licensed premises that simply don't have outside space and are not able to create it. So I, I think that the real key message here is we are very keen to see support for business continue. We don't want to see a cliff edge uh, at the end of the current month. We need to see support for business continue uh, until business is able to properly function again. Now, there's been very substantial sums coming from the UK government uh, into the, uh, the Scottish government's budget. We need to make sure that money is being utilised for the business support for which it's intended. Having said that, and let's assume that the support does continue or the support is there that businesses need, how well do you think, um, how employable, I suppose, do you think uh, the workforce is and how well trained for what the workforce is going to require coming out of this pandemic? Yeah, I mean, I think we're undoubtedly going to see changes in our economy. I think one of the 
post-COVID changes we're going to see is that, for example, uh, the traditional working pattern of people commuting to a place of work five days a week, such as an office, is likely to change. People have got used to working from home, and I think we're going to see many more mixed patterns of people working from home part of the week and working in an office environment the other part of the week. The other major change we're going to see, and we're ha this is happening already, we are not going to see a revival of traditional high street retail to what it was before COVID. You know, I think we're just going to have to accept that a lot of the, uh, the face of our high streets is going to change and high streets are going to become less retail focused and perhaps more focused on leisure and hospitality. And that means therefore for perhaps for people who were working um, in a retail sector, they will have to retrain. So fundamental to our policy offer is a new approach to skills and retraining. We are offering a right to retrain grant, which would be worth £500 for every person of working age in Scotland. That's money they would be able to access to spend as they wished with training providers to help them retrain and help them upskill. Because we believe that the redeployment of the workforce is going to be really important. Um, our ambition would be to have full employment so everyone who wants a job can find a job. But I think we, we would accept that that means people will have to retrain. And that retraining will, will be on an ongoing basis. So um, we will in future face a more dynamic and fluid economy where people are likely over the course of their working lives to do several different jobs. So retraining is just not a one-off. It's something that will have to be done on a continuous basis. And again, having said that, and then that leads me on to the question that... Um, I've been asking everyone, which is, we need certainty. Businesses need certainty in order to be confident and businesses will have to play their part in investing into that retraining and that upskilling and so on. And we've had massive uncertainty around about the pandemic. Um, to what extent then is it helpful or not helpful to have another independence referendum looming? Well, our view would be that it is incredibly unhelpful to have another independence referendum at this time. We had a referendum in 2014. We were told at that time it was a, a once in a generation uh, event. And here we are uh, seven years later. Here we are in the middle of a global pandemic and a very serious economic situation, which, you know, thanks to the leadership at a UK level on the vaccination programme, we are starting to come out of restrictions faster than many of our competitor countries. But we can't be complacent about that, and there are still risks attached to a potential new wave of COVID. Um, so to put against that background of uncertainty, the additional uncertainty of another independence referendum would, in our view, be foolhardy. And I, I think uh, that is particularly the case when the, the current SNP government can't answer basic questions about the economics, of independence, how the fiscal deficit that has been created would be filled uh, in an independent Scotland, or about trading relationships between Scotland and the rest of the UK. When we saw the, uh, the, the First Minister admit in a television interview just uh, at the weekend that there would be a border created between Scotland and England. And given that uh, England is by far the biggest market uh, uh, for export of Scottish goods, that is something that would be a real worry. So uh, I don't think now is the time to be going down that particular route. So the final question is uh, in the 
couple of minutes, well, yeah, a minute and a half perhaps that we've got remaining. Um, I'm terribly sorry, but my phone has just rung. Uh, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens, it happens. Um, three main aims from you for small and micro businesses in Scotland over the next five years? Well, firstly, we need, we need to have a, a, a stable fiscal regime. What, what, one of the things that, that I think is really interesting is, is the whole system of business rates, I think, is now antiquated. Small businesses benefited from the small business bonus. We would retain that uh, in the short to medium term. And in fact, we would adapt it so we don't see the, the cliff edge that businesses face. So we'd have a taper for those with rateable values above 15,000. But, but in the longer run, I think we need a fundamental review of business taxation because we have a rating system devised in the 19th century that doesn't properly take account of um, business circumstances in the 21st century. And in particular, there is a lack of a level playing field between retail on the high street and retail selling digitally. And I think that has to be addressed. So, so a fundamental rethink of business rates. That's the first thing. The second thing we've talked about, which is um, uh, skills. So all businesses will need a skills workforce, um, a right to retrain grant for every adult worth 500 pounds, a substantial increase in the number of apprenticeships, because we think every young person uh, leaving school should have the opportunity, if they're not going to further or higher education, to take up an apprenticeship, and that's going to need uh, more support. And the third thing I'd mention, this is increasingly important, is infrastructure, and in particular, digital infrastructure. Because if we're going to see more and more people working from home, and I think this will be part of the changing employment patterns because of COVID, we need to have top quality digital infrastructure. And you know, as somebody who uh, is the parent of two um, school-aged children and has struggled over the past year, as many others have had with um, uh, home learning and two uh, adults in the house trying to work at the same time, I know how challenging that can be. And one of our key policy commitments is to roll out um, fibre uh, broadband to every household and business in Scotland by 2027, because if we're going to have more people working from home, particularly in more of our, our rural areas, then they need to have the ability to connect. And that will only happen with government intervention. Thank you very much, Murdo Fraser, for joining us. And to Jamie Hepburn, Katie Gordon, and Daniel Johnson. And we hope that small businesses in Scotland will remain high on the agenda for all the political parties following the election. Mm -hmm.